Lee is an ex-conspiracy theorist of 15 years and host of the Some Dare Call It Conspiracy podcast, through which he's trying to help people who are still caught up in these beliefs. Brent, welcome to Smart Cookies. How's everything? Everything's great. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> been, been looking I, forward to this conversation. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. I believe it was about two months ago when I read the article about you in Guardian. And That's was right. Yeah, immediately, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I was immediately struck by your story because we usually hear about conspiracy theories from people on the internet who are trying to convert you a little bit or uh, from people in our lives who are heavily involved or from various experts who are kind of studying conspiracy theories in a professional capacity. But it's incredibly rare to hear from someone who's been a part of that world and for so long, but has managed to kind of pull himself out of this, what at least from the outside seems like, I don't know, um, a pit of pretty terrifying quicksand or something. Um, I don't know. Uh, sounds like a superhuman feat, honestly, to do that. And not only that, <laughs> you've you've shifted gears even further and are now trying to get others out of Mordor, probably at great personal cost, no? which we will discuss later on as well. Yeah. Anyway, you, you probably already know what I'm going to ask you first. The year is 2003. You're 24 years yeah. old, I believe, living in England. You're working in a garage and you're really into music. You're a sharp and articulated young man who's also really savvy when it comes to the internet. So far, it sounds like a pretty quote-unquote normal life of a young person. However, um, 2003 is also the year when you stumble on a collection of, I believe it was, 9-11 conspiracy videos that kind of make you question, let's say, the presentation of the world as you knew it. Do you still remember that moment or that feeling? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember even downloading the videos, like going back and just actually retrospectively see myself downloading those videos but I really remember like watching them. I remember watching the first one and it was like more about Freemasons and like a Illuminati kind of secret societies taking over, well, being the hidden hand in history. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't really, didn't really buy any of that at the beginning, but I, I remember seeing the first like nine 11 videos and just thinking, wow, hold on. What is this? Like, this is quite a compelling argument and quite a compelling presentation of facts. I was pretty much sold on the first 9-11 first one I saw. I thought, right, I'm looking into this. this. This looks like it has something to it. This looks like there's some legs on there. So it wasn't like some sort of sliding into this conspiracy mindset that was gradual, like stuff just piling on until you didn't even realize you're in it. It was more of a sudden eureka moment that shook you to the core. It was with the 9-11 thing. Um, yeah. And I went, you know, I looked into 9-11 for quite a while before I started to think about like, well, who, who are these people? You know, and, and other documentaries that you would watch would kind of try and tell you tell you who they were and it would like feed back into the secret society 
Illuminati Freemason sort of conspiracy theories. So that's, I think, where the rabbit hole really started to unfold for me. That's where I really started to, the things started to pile on top of each other. Like 9-11 is the gateway. And then the secret societies are who's actually involved with this false flag. Like that's where it just gets bigger. I mean, you can break it down to like three types of conspiracies. Um, the event conspiracy, you know, so that's so 9 11 is yeah. the event. Yeah, exactly. And then you have like the systemic conspiracies, sort of systemic conspiracy theories. So it's like a, a government is involved in something. And then you have like the grand conspiracy, which is like where I eventually ended up. And I think it, it's a sliding scale and it gets more and more of a pylon as you go down to to wow, that scale that's fascinating so even though you were exposed to the what did you call it the structural conspiracy what's the last one the last stage the the, the last one's the grand conspiracy but oh, the, the grand uh, conspiracy the second one like more like the systemic yeah yeah conspiracy but you said that when you downloaded those videos it was the first was the grand conspiracy the first thing yeah. that you saw the hand that controls the world but that wasn't the hook for you the hook was the event yeah why do you think that is i think it just really struck me like um again we you set the set it up with you know it's 2003 and we're on the brink of like the gulf war in our in war with iraq and <laughs> Bush and Blair both basically lying about weapons of mass destruction. And the lie is very blatant and everyone pretty much around the world is saying, no, this is a lie. The UN, like they voted against the war because they thought this was a lie. And like the people that were presenting the 9-11 stuff were presenting it as if this was the pretext to go to war. This is what they, they, like made it happen so that they could do it. You know, they're lying about weapons of mass destruction. Of course that, that they're lying about nine 11 and it just, it just made sense. Oh yeah, they are total liars and they're going to go and kill more people. So why wouldn't have they just have killed their own people to go to do this? You know, it, it just, I can't put it any other way other than it just made sense. Mm. I mean, that was an actual conspiracy, right? They were lying about yeah. weapons of mass destruction that they knew weren't there in Iraq. But it was a conspiracy that then fell apart in front of our eyes because we all realized that they were lying about that and that a lot yeah. of media, mainstream media, was complicit in it in a way. Like the New York Times, I remember. So it makes sense that you go from this to the next stage do you have you met a lot of people in that life whose paths into conspiracy were similar to yours oh yeah like that they started with 9 11 and then it went oh to totally a lot of people who like i first started to speak to and were friends with for say the first decade of conspiracism like that whole era was like birthed by 9 11 trutherism 9-11 was like the truth gateway for so many people. Um, and like today, the pandemic is yeah. another like gateway 
It's become another like nine eleven, and it seems to be like moments like like this that something happens where the world stops, and people all like are trying to figure out what just happened. It's like perfect little breeding ground for the rumor mill to create conspiracy theories. Hmm. And so nine eleven was definitely that for a lot of people. In uh, up until. Like I guess maybe the next big event was two thousand eight, which was end occupy um and occupy and Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street, yeah. Yeah, I think that was like the next big one. That's that kind of red pill moment after nine eleven. So all the people from nine eleven to Occupy Wall Street would have been like nine eleven truthers. And after that it was that and say 2012 you kind of start getting the um sandy hook and boston marathon sort of truthers false flag stuff like those are that's a big red pill moment for the community there's like there's definitely events that become like that red pill moment for lots of people in one of your videos you said that your father was a vietnam veteran who suffered from severe PTSD and alcoholism and was abusive, which made you become a radical pacifist. This in turn probably also made you more susceptible to look for any sort of reasons uh, as to why wars keep happening, right? Which is really yeah, totally. sort of tragic because you were coming from a good place. In fact, listening to people who subscribe to conspiracy ideologies, it seems they're often quite rightly bothered by injustice but then they make a really sharp left turn when it comes to actual causes of a sad injustice. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I think like for me with, with nine 11, with seven, seven, the London bombing, um, in 2005, like I thought I was uncovering a crime, you know, we all, that's what we all were thinking we were uncovering crimes against humanity and this secret plan to like enslave humanity essentially like we're, we're trying to to tell you guys about it like that's definitely coming from a good place um but the evidence that we have like couldn't really convince a journey a jury of a crime actually being committed to be fair why do you think this sharp left turn happens instead of adopting a more, I don't know, a critical distance approach and being like, maybe things are a little bit more nuanced and messy than that, than, than immediately saying that there's some sort of hidden cabal controlling the world. What do you think that is? Is it an emotional thing? Is it, maybe it's about timing as well. About six months ago, I hosted journalist Mike Rothschild on the, on the pod. Oh, great. I yeah. do urge our listeners to go and check out that episode. He was great. He's a really smart dude who wrote a famous book on the QAnon conspiracy. I believe it's called the storm is upon us. Anyway, he said that even though a lot of conspiracy theorists are obviously super pissed off with him and are regularly, you know, kind of threatening him, he felt a degree of empathy towards them because he found that most of them turned to conspiracies after experiencing a heavy dose of trauma in their lives. And they were looking for someone or something that would explain it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of just what I was saying about um, 9-11 happening. You know, that was a shocking moment for so many people. Like so many people around the world watched that live. 
And then to sit there and think, okay, I just watched 3,000 people die in front of my eyes, watching those buildings come down. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's traumatic for people. And growing up for the next 10 years, living in the war on terror, like so many people in the West thinking that like one of our cities could be bombed any minute. You know, I think that's a, that's quite a bit of trauma. Um, again, a breeding ground for conspiracism. And right now, like we've got, again, the pandemic, so many people were affected by it. So many people did lose their jobs. They lost their businesses. Lots of small business owners lost their businesses. Um, you know, it, uh, quite a few people did suffer around the world and it did hit them. A lot of people obviously died from it and family members are traumatized by that. Like, I, I think, you know, I totally agree with that take, but sometimes it's bigger than like a personal trauma. What effect did your con conversion, if we can call it that, have on your personal life? What happened to your friendships, romantic relationships, family, etc.? Yeah, I had quite a few friends at the time. I was in a band and quite popular band in the city that we were in. What kind so of music? we had lots of friends. Our band was a ska rap metal band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. It was lots of fun. Awesome. Um, I was like, I was the lead singer. Uh, I, I basically rapped and screamed. All was the time. it like a new metal thing or no? Is that different? Like yeah, it was like that, but it was like that, but with like ska rap metal. Okay, it was like, wow. Because we love ska punk, right? So we like ska yeah. punk. So we thought, hey, let's mix up like dub, dub bass lines, but play them with metal riffs instead and like try and mix Damn. like ska rap What a sassy hybrid. Together. Yeah, it yeah. It was great. Awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I had, you know, plenty of friends from the other bands that were in the city that we all played with. But yeah. When I started getting into this, like I would want to speak to people about it. And to be fair, no one really wanted to talk about it or found that it was that interesting. So I personally started to stay home more. Like I kind of, I isolated like myself essentially from the scene. You know, I didn't go out to like any of the house parties or any of the after gigs or anything like that. Um, I, I just, I just pulled, pulled away to be honest, because I just wanted to know more about this stuff. And this was like the most important thing to me. Again, we had uncovered a crime, like the biggest crime going on. Um, and if we could tell everyone about it, like we could, uh, wake everyone up and we could all be free essentially. So I, I was just really, I was hyper-focused and and consumed by looking into this stuff. And I'd spend hours, hours just reading or watching or listening to content. Were there some friends, some people in your life who were close to you who kind of noticed that you were disappearing into this world and tried to maybe argue with you or, or pull you back in some sort of way? 
or uh, not, did people not just really. leave you kind of alone, uh, leave you alone uh, when yeah. that started happening? Yeah, to what be fair, the they, like? they left me. They left me alone. There was one friend I had, Richard. Like, um, love Richard. He's great. Hell yeah, let's and, go, Richard. <laughs> and he wouldn't like talk about, say, the conspiracy uh, government sort of stuff. But when I started getting into like the much more weird um, pseudoscience sort of aspects, he would step in then because he's like a scientist. And he loved to like help educate me on some of that stuff. So it kind of gave me a good, I don't know, a, a, good, a bit of a good defense to some of the more weirder aspects of like pseudoscience slash conspiracism, like, you know, the flat earth kind of thing, like that's all wrapped up in conspiracism, but it's like all based on pseudoscience. Um, yeah, he gave me a good, good, a good defense to, to some of that stuff because he would like challenge me and, or not challenge me, just be like, Hey, that's, that's not how it really works. And I would stop and listen to him. Cause I know he was, he was a scientist and he's super damn smart. So I was like, cool. You tell me, Richard, he was like, he was a keyboardist in our band. So, you know, we talk about it and, and he, he, it school me. It was cool. So Richard acted as this kind of, final barrier that prevented you from going all out on some of the more wild. So you, in a way, even though you're part of this world, you still were on the more skeptical side of the conspiracy theory world. Yeah, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of topics in the conspiracy world. Yeah, I've noticed. You know, <laughs> there's so much, like you obviously, uh, like everyone knows the inverted pyramid of all the conspiracies by uh, Abby Richards. And it's just got tons and tons of them in it, but it's, that's true. That is like, that's the conspiracy. There's so much of it. Um, and I think you kind of, as you're going down the rabbit hole and coming across all these different paths, you kind of have to start getting an opinion on quite a few of them. So like, even like UFOs, there's about 700 different reasonings for these things. You know, and you gotta kind of got to pick one, what you think it is, you know, um, there, there, there are so many and you just got to navigate all of them by coming up with your own opinion on them. Mm, mm. I think that's the whole thing about, yeah, do your research, do your own research. And it's, it's that trap where it's like, it is cult like, you know, Go find your own truth, but you're still wrapped in the rabbit hole. And ironically, there's no light down a rabbit hole when you're looking for it. It's just, that's down in a tunnel. So the more you look, the more in it you are in a, in a way. Yeah, absolutely. You just keep going further and further down. Back to your social life. You probably got new friends though, once you started to become a part of this scene right how does that yeah, work start to build the community within the yeah conspiracy theory world the first people i started to talk to were the people that i was downloading the material off of in the first place uh we were on dc plus plus and that's like a file sharing app 
from from way back in the day, two thousand three. Mm. Is um, it like Kazar? I used to yes, have that. Okay, it's it's okay. very similar it. to that. Right. So you connect to other computers and can download yeah. like the shared file, just like and that. It, but you could it's have that old modem like, like oh, yes. that thing. So it took you <laughs> like that seventy-two hours to download one five-minute video. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember those days. I, I miss them sometimes. All night. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you could have separate hubs on there, so it's like private rooms. And I messaged a guy that had lots of these videos, and I was like, "Hey, where can I like find more of this stuff?" And he invited me to a different hub, and on that hub, you had like a chat room, and you could download all their stuff. So on that chat room, I started talking to people, just kind of discussing some of the videos, or what do you guys think of this, or what do you think of that, and just kind of random chats about that. But by two thousand five, I thought I really need to like. Find more people to talk to, so I kind of started scouring for forums, and I found a David Ike forum. And that's the reptilian that's, guy, right? That is the reptilian guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I joined there, and I started talking to people on there, and I found out quickly that not everyone on there like believed everything that David Ike would say.、Mm -hmm. It was just interesting a place for us all to kind of discuss. All this stuff, you know, and, and and that's kind of where I first start speaking to people, kind of making friends, but not not IRL friends, not like you met met up in real life or anything.、Um, later on, I would meet normal people or meet other truthers in real life.、Um, but then from Before and we moved to MySpace, and that's really where the communities first really started to kick. Really、off. on MySpace, yeah. Because I remember it more as like space for sharing music and showing up, showing off kind of your, like your taste. Because you you designed your own page and yeah. Oh, it's taking me back now. I'm flooded by <laughs> memories.、Um, uh, but it's really interesting that MySpace. You... <laughs> yeah, let's just go back. Come、Let's、back, go. Tom. <laughs> Or Tom, buy Twitter, please. Yes, <laughs> that's we what all we miss really you, Tom. want. Tom, we、yes. all miss you.、Uh, but it's fascinating that you guys use that、um, to hang out and discuss conspiracy theories. What, like via DMs, or how did you do that on MySpace? Yeah, and just like being friends and leaving comments on each other's pages.、Oh, of course, of course. So you、um, met on a forum, then you moved to a more personal MySpace、yeah. type of communication. Okay. Yeah, and then MySpace is like where everyone started getting, I think, a lot bigger, and like the nine eleven truth movement started to get like a social media presence.、Mm -hmm. was When was this? Of, like two、uh, thousand. I joined. I joined. I think joined MySpace in two thousand six, and it was around then where I started to like meet more more people through it.、Uh, yeah, and the nine eleven truth movement was like very very. Uh, heavily involved there.、Um, do you know Luke Rakowski from We Are Change and from、no. the Tim Pool show? I don't. Okay, so he he like started out there as well. Like I remember、okay. him from back in the day.、Uh, he's he's like ridiculous right wing conspiracist now.、Um, but yeah, he was on there as well. Like it was such a an interesting like hub of of. Truthers, and then obviously we moved to Facebook. That was like the next place. 
and that's when I think your uncle and your aunt started to get pilled by us. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. How would you do that? Just by sharing more of this stuff, basically, because now, you, now you're, you're, see, MySpace, it wasn't, your, friend, your friends were like just people on the internet that were into the same stuff that you were into. Facebook was your actual friends and your actual family, you know, so you start like kind of sharing the stuff that you would have shared in the old places, talking about the same stuff that you normally would like to talk about. And now you like your, like I said, like your uncle, your aunts, your cousins, and all these people are seeing it. And like one in 10 is getting pilled. Funny that you say uncle and aunt. I remember yeah. during the pandemic, my Facebook feed was suddenly full of uncles and aunts sharing some ridiculous, like the hospitals are empty. There is no pandemic sort of posts all of a sudden. And you could yeah, actually feel how like droves of people in your life were exposed to this stuff and totally buying it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised like with the recent rise in, or not even the recent rise now in QAnon and Pizzagate among like older people, you know, my, my parents age. Yeah. Like that's, it's just, wow. My uncles and my aunts and my parents and like people like that are sharing this stuff not not personally my my family doesn't share that stuff <laughs> but i can see yeah people that age doing it all right we talked about what happened to your relationships what about work or keeping a job if you honestly believe that like you said the collapse of civilization is imminent unless you and your friends expose the bad guys i mean i imagine at best i would spend my working hours in the toilet on my phone, following world developments and connecting with other conspiracists like 24 seven. Did you manage to, to keep your job or how did that affect your professional life? I think I was like a, a functioning conspiracist, but I, I just kept, I kept low level jobs, mate. That was my, that was my thing. I just worked in the garage. I was a cleaner at a supermarket uh night cleaner th these sorts of like kind of mundane jobs without that much without that much responsibility you just have to turn up do the job and go home you know um, but you still have to do the a job. lot of the times i was yeah but a lot of the times i like to do jobs that i was left alone on so i see like working in a garage i worked at night no one else was allowed into the garage overnight so i could same with the the um cleaning like when i used to clean at night i used to work work on my own and i could like listen to conspiracy stuff all night you know audiobooks or coast to coast radio shows or whatever and that's what i would do i would study and do this stuff all the time while i was at work and i would kind of keep those sorts of jobs for a little while i was able to make money off my music so i didn't have to go go to work so I could spend all my time like making music and looking into this stuff and talking about this stuff. Always was able to keep a job if I needed to keep a job. It, it didn't, I could keep it on, on hold and just like not tell anyone about it, not speak to too many people about it. Cause I know I, I, to me, like after a while that I was in it, I realized a lot of people don't want to talk about this and I don't think it's my job to wake you up. It's your job. It's your job to wake yourself up. But when you do wake up, 
come chat to me. Wow. You know? That's a more advanced, that's a more advanced position. You weren't like actively proselytizing. You were not anymore. I had, I, I tried okay. that for years I and, see, and, it, I see. and it backfired. Lots of people don't obviously don't want to talk about it. And I felt like, you know, um, a lot of these conspiracy influencers do say this as well. Like, Oh, they're not ready for it yet. You know, um, they, they go through this thing like cognitive dissonance when you try to speak to them about it and they're just, they're just not ready yet. It's okay. They'll wake up when, when it's ready, it's time for them to wake up. And I didn't really listen to that at first. I just kind of tried to wake people up, but then I realized, yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't really work. So I'm going to like make my music as like a welcoming party music. So once you're awake, you can come in and Hey, welcome to the party. <laughs> you know, I'm here to show you around the first guide into this world. <laughs> uh, you shall not pass, but once you pass, <laughs> I'll be waiting. I'm just wondering what did an average day look like for you? In those days, did you just log into your laptop and spend, I don't know, 12 hours straight doing online research? Or did you also socialize with like-minded people in real life, attend conferences and meetups, had your music still, other friends like Richard, or did it monopolize your entire existence in a way? Because it sounds like you still had other stuff. Yeah, because I had my music and... um I, I had like a small group of friends, say about three or four, that sort of entertained some of the conspiracy stuff, like maybe all agreed like 9-11 was an inside job. Um, yeah, there's probably some sort of Illuminati, but they're not all as into it quite as much as I am. But we all hang out because like uh, I'm a music, I was a music producer. And I, I made like hip hop music and like, say two of these guys were rappers. Um, and then my other friend was just like into rap, but he was, he'd like to come over all the time and we'd all hang out and I'd make beats and they'd spit and like, we'd like, press demos and do all that, you know, and, and talk about conspiracism and whatever, like whatever we're into or we watch a lecture and kind of debate different things about it with each other you know um th that was like say that was like so one of my friends or my my circle of friends while i was making music and while i was still a conspiracist this sorry as well this is after i leave my band because mm -hmm. i do leave my band like at some point because I, like they i didn't i felt it was unfair i was picking up like the energy from some of my, some of them that it was unfair for me to talk about some of the stuff I wanted to talk about in my lyrics. Cause they didn't believe in any of it. All right. So this stuff started kind of oh, seeping yeah. into your music as well. Yeah. They were cool at first with some of the politics stuff, but once it kind of started getting a little bit more into like Masonic things and different trying to sort of calling them Satanists or acting like his rituals and stuff. I think they were kind of a bit like, yeah, like we're a ska rap metal band, man. We're supposed to have fun. Like <laughs> you're bringing it down, you know? 
so I, I felt like I should, I should, uh, I should leave and just go do like my solo stuff. So I started making like lots more hip hop and met some other guys who were rappers and they wanted to rap on be my beats. I'm sorry, but that's a really funny <laughs> image of your band, of your ska band being like, come on, man, you're acting like a depressed bride on your wedding day. <laughs> like, uh, come on, we're trying to, to have fun and you're talking about Illuminati. <laughs> really <laughs> exactly. honest in a way, but sorry, but also a little bit humorous. I'm yeah, sure it was painful at, at the time for you, of course, because your band must be everything, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, man, but hey, look. I was grateful for the time that we all had together and the music that we made, the fun we had, all of that stuff, like the, the friendships that we had, the trials and tribulations. It was fantastic. Even now, like I have no regrets about what I've gone through or, or wasted or whatever. It's like all been about growing and being who I am today. So I, I loved going through that band and then I loved taking everything I learned from being in a band and being the front man to my, the next stage, you know, the next stage in my life, which was being a, a solo artist and a, a producer and like much more of a truth activist and actually starting to go, like you said, to conferences, um, protests and playing gigs like on my own to, rooms of like five or six people <laughs> i heard you say a couple of times now that you became a truther but what exactly did you believe at the height um of of your journey into this stuff i mean there's still a world of difference between someone who thinks 9 11 was an inside job and someone who believes the earth is flat like you said the 9 11 truth stuff is then a basically an event conspiracy and then there's a systemic one and then there's the grand one and the grand one is everything every 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 system is actually part of it not just one and basically i thought that the entire world was run by a network of secret societies and cults they basically controlled every facet of life. They controlled governments, they controlled media, they controlled um, the entertainment industry, banking industry, the, the religious institutions. They even would like, were in control of the black market and the criminal networks. They controlled practically everything. And these were different secret societies. So it was like Freemasons, Rosicrucians, Skull and Bones, even um, the Bullingdon Club in in England and like just lots of any different secret society. They were all also part of it. These fraternal orders. And like, I called them like cults, essentially. And I thought that they, there was like a satanic cult, there was a lunar cult, there was a solar cult, a Saturnalian cult. Um, and then I thought that there was also like a 
paganistic cult, which kind of worshipped lots more to do with earth. And I thought all of these things were working together basically to rule all of us. They wanted to take over the entire globe. They wanted us all to be their slaves, essentially. That's why I, I, I thought that's why I thought the new world order was. I wanted to ask you about that next. I keep hearing about the new world order, but no one's adequately explained it yet. Or maybe I'm just too thick to get it. Um, <laughs> the new what, world what does order that is mean? always the end goal. It's the end ah, goal so that's of the, like Okay. That's the end goal of these secret societies enslaving us. Yeah. It's, to it's, what it's end? Their, it's their utopia, our dyst dystopia. I see. And and it's called in the plan, the agenda is called the New World Order. So what does this dystopia look like? We're all sort of slaves who are unaware? Is it already here or Oh the the, the end goal is that we'd be aware. But that oh, we'd be, be aware it. that we're slaves. We'd be totally aware then. Um because there would only be a hundred million of us left. I see. There's going to be a de there's part of this agenda is that there's a depopulation agenda. So they're, they're trying to depopulate the world so that there's enough of us to control aptly. You know, they can't really control the 7 billion or nearly 8 billion of us now. Um, because the population has boomed. So they got to bring it back down to like about a hundred million and that that's enough to make their society work for them. And we'd be totally aware, be a bit, I guess, like Big Brother. I've heard this depopulation argument, argument, quote unquote, <laughs> many times before. Like you said, every time a, a crisis happens, I keep hearing it from the uncles and aunts on Facebook. But what happens the day after, when after a crisis, even after the pandemic, let's say, this doesn't happen. And, you know, you keep, these people keep saying, oh, you know, now it's starting to happen. They're going to depopulate us with the virus or with another war or with, I don't know, uh, starvation, whatever. You've basically hanging everything on this expectation and it keeps failing. How do you justify it? I think you, you keep moving a goalpost. And the ultimate goalpost for that kind of thing is, well, that was a, an exercise. That was a that was a test run. It'll be next time. Next time is coming. You know, <laughs> that was a test run. Next time. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, like that's why that's why uh, we were allowed out of the pandemic this time, and the Great Reset didn't happen. They didn't quite do it the way they wanted to do it, right? So it was a bit of a test run. Next time, next time is coming. Five, ten years five or 10 years just you then, wait yeah exactly that is that's just how it, how it goes unfortunately um but then like me after 15 years of this is happening this big false flag attack is about to happen oh this war is about to happen this financial crash is about to happen over and over and over and i just see that this, these are these predictions are never coming true and they're these predictions are based on intelligence so why does it keep failing maybe because 
they're just actually lying to me. You know, <laughs> and after a while, like I just start, I stopped listening to anyone who said, who had some sort of prediction. The amount of times I heard that North Korea was like about to be nuked or about to send a nuke and start World War Three, like for, <laughs> for like eight years, I think I kept hearing this, like this is about to happen. This is about to happen. It just never happens. None of these things ever happen. And I keep, I kept pushing the, the goalposts. And I think, I honestly think for me is like, I've just pushed far too many and I just couldn't, I couldn't push the goalpost any further. I was backed into a corner and eventually that's why the whole Jenga tower comes down. Like, mm. we're going to talk about that a little yeah. bit more, but I just remember when the pandemic started, when the vaccination started, I was in Berlin in Germany. I lived there for 10 years and I remember some people who started subscribing to these ideologies were saying goodbye to me and my friends once they heard that we've been vaccinated. They were like, you're going to die now, you know, I can't. So I can't kind of keep a relationship with you because I know that you're going to get cancer or whatever and die soon. So they, they, they looked really grave and serious and they actually said, you know, goodbye. But now they're just carrying on like nothing happened. They, they <laughs> wow. didn't come back and like, hey, you're still alive or they, they weren't like, hey, maybe I was a bit wrong about that one. You know, my bad. But I saw that they really believed it. It's a sad state of affairs, this anti-vax propaganda. It, it's convenient as well for these people. It's so convenient because now anybody who dies, anybody who gets sick at any point, it's just like, oh, were they vaccinated? See, we were right. It's like they're acting like nobody got sick or nobody died before the pandemic happened or before anyone was ever vaccinated. It's, it's really weird. And like I said, it's so convenient for these, for these people who are making money off of pushing it. That's for sure. In my previous job, I had a colleague who was very dear to me. But once she heard that I am getting vaccinated, she really tried to dissuade me from doing that. And she said, you know, I have a friend who just got vaccinated. And he did a little simple experiment. He took a magnet and then it, the magnet just immediately stuck to his shoulder where he was vaccinated because, of course, they injected him with a lot of heavy metals which are poisoning him. So she gave me a whole regimen. Once she realized she's not going to be able to convince me, she gave me a whole like anti-metal regimen. Like she's, you know, she tried to help me. She was like, you're going to get vaccinated. I can't convince you to doing otherwise, but at least you can protect yourself, you know, with this anti-metal poisoning regimen. <laughs> and she was coming again thoughts. from a good place, you know? Yeah. I also remember going to the U-Bahn in Berlin, the metro, and the, on the day of this huge anti-vax demonstrations in the center of the city, I think 40,000 people showed up. And me and my girlfriend were sitting opposite from two really young girls, I would say 21, 22. And they just started talking to us because they were returning from this protest. And they were like, are you vaccinated? And oh my God, you know, that's really bad and stuff. And they they couldn't help themselves. They 
they tried to convert us, you know, and they got more and more worked up out of nowhere. We didn't even respond that much. They were so intent on doing this and on believing in this stuff. And then they started saying really loud that this is like the Nazi times again, you know, that's in the middle of Germany. Then people in the train got really upset once they heard that and they started shouting at them, but they kept going and shouting back and well, it was a quite sobering and scary moment. Yeah, it, it's a belief that's really strong. You know, they really truly believe this thing. Like, and if you didn't, if you believed like this is killing people, you would try and tell people like, don't take it. It's going to kill you. This is why I say it's dangerous. You know, this is something that I've, I really have realized it. I didn't realize it back in the day. Didn't realize how dangerous like this would have been. But after the pandemic and after all the anti-back stuff and after January 6th, I definitely see how dangerous all of this is. I always wanted to know, is there a place for humor in this world of conspiracies or is it all serious all the time? Did you and your friends, for example, ever like roast flat earthers or even each other a little bit when you went too yeah. wild? Or were you more like, I don't know, a bunch of stiff chaplains or something? Like, you know, no, this is a serious mission. No, so we got to get... No. It was fun lots of us as well? Had, lots of us had fun with each other. Like at the end of the day, you're just, you're just people, aren't you? You're still people. I, I, still have a, I still have a sense of humor. I feel like... like the generation of truthers that I come from, like it's a little bit different than the, the truthers of the 2010s. Like I come from the 2000s, the ones from say 2010s or 2015s onwards, kind of, kind of totally different. But the ones like I'm kind of from is that there was this like anti-authoritarian streak. There was this like anti-status quo, you know, fringe alternative kind of people so those sorts of people are like fun you know we're, we're we're all into we're into weird stuff we're into weird music we're into weird comedy and, and, and we all like to i guess we all like to have fun like let's be fair today like we might not find it funny all right a lot of jokes that i see on the internet i don't find funny but look they love their memes and they think they're having a hilarious time. So there's your, there's your answer right there. Like there is room for, for laughter and ridicule in the conspiracy sphere. Hmm. But it's usually more aimed at people who don't believe this stuff. Like look at how ridiculous they are and trolling and stuff. True. True. But I, I guess some of them will make fun of each other. They'll make fun of flat earthers are fair game. Everyone makes fun of flat earthers. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. What about taking yourself seriously? Is I think that... that's, just, that's just going to be a personal thing. If you're that I type see. of person okay. or not. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I've always been someone who was able to laugh at himself. I, I love it. I just wanted to talk about this as well. On one hand, we have famous conspiracy theorists, uh, like people like Alex Jones, for example, and we're going to talk about them later. But before we do, I wanted to ask, how big is the role of more mainstream celebrities endorsing 
or at least enabling these views. For example, Joe Rogan has a bigger audience than CNN and is notorious for having conspiracy theorists uh, on his podcast regularly with zero pushback. I can imagine that seeing this kind of endorsement must feel like the ultimate personal validation, no? If this huge superstar is openly discussing these sort of fringe ideas, then surely I'm not going crazy. I'm not mad. And, you know, something must be to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like if someone has like an elevated platform and they're talking about it to more people, like it, it validates it, doesn't it? It does that does that cross the board with society if no matter who it is if it's someone who's got a big platform and they're talking about something everyone kind of pays attention to it and, and is like yeah they believe what i believe <laughs> you know it, it validates us across the board so of course conspiracy world is no different um probably I say no different, but probably is 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 more important to them because their their belief is so fringe. Actually, to be fair, like if someone big was talking about it, or someone connected, that's the other one. Like if someone sort of connected to it in some sort of way, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a World Economic Forum whistleblower, like big celebrity person." Bono, if Bono comes out and he's like, "Yeah, it's all true," like the conspiracy world would go mad. You know, they'd go, "Whoa." <laughs> uh, to be fair like i me and my partner used to write blogs for like about conspiracy stuff and we had a section on our blog site um called celebrity whistleblowers and we would like write little um put links to videos or articles or whatever of like say some celebrity talking about like 9-11 truth or anything like up that alley you know because it validates the argument. Were they actually talking about it, or you were you yeah, trying to find yeah. some sort of clues? <laughs> no, no, real, really, actually talking about it. Um, but it would be people like, say, like KRS-One, the rapper, you know, or uh, Roseanne Barr, <laughs> like she was talking about nine eleven truths, like way back in the day. Um, but literally, like saying, yeah, nine eleven was an inside job, you know. And, but it. To, to us, because the entertainment industry and celebrities, they were in on this, right? They, like I said, they were controlled. They were controlled, right? So if someone was from that industry and they broke away, that, that really validates the argument. So someone like Roseanne Barr, she was a big comedian back in the day. Then she became like a, quite a big comic actress. And for her to break away from it and start becoming like, like as political as she was and critical of uh, the Bushes and the Iraq war. And then talking about nine 11, like, Oh my God, that was, that was, that was gold. That was <laughs> such validation for us to have someone like that break away from it. Speaking about celebrities, what's this business with clones? Every once in a while, <laughs> you're going to hear that somebody's been replaced with their clone. I've recently, I've heard it with, not recently, I think it was about a year ago, with Avril Lavigne. They're like, oh, she looks different. She's been replaced by a clone. I've heard it about Eminem, I think. Yeah. Or Eminem, Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Avril Lavigne. Um, 
Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Well. Wow. She, yeah. Yeah. They know how to pick him. She was like, I think she's like a clone from someone from the 1920s or something as well. Someone famous. I can't remember. So the, rabbit, <laughs> yeah, but... the rabbit hole goes deeper on Anne Hathaway as well. Mate, I, I'm sorry, but I have no answers for you there because that is one of the things that I started to think. There's a lot of lies in the conspiracy movement. Like I made a post in 2017 saying like, I think the truth movement has been infiltrated by a load of different psyops. And I think everyone needs to be like aware of these psyops. They're trying to make like our movement look stupid. And like, it's these clone things. It's the flat earth stuff and the Mandela effect, like, and the crisis actor hoax thing. These are all psyops put out by the Illuminati to make us look stupid. So Sorry. like from the get go, I didn't yeah. believe like the clone thing. What's the crisis actor hoax, hoax thing? Okay, so the crisis actor, it's, it's, it stems from the Sandy Hook shooting first. And it come and it comes out from like Alex Jones and people like this saying that the, the victims were all crisis actors. All the people that you saw on TV were, were crisis actors. And now a crisis actor is someone who is paid to pretend that they've been in an, an event. It, it could be a terrorist event. It could be like a mass shooting. It could be a natural disaster, but these people are, are actually hired to um, like practice what to do. If, if something like this happens, like there's, there's a real thing, true thing called crisis actors, but they, the conspiracists act like the victims and everything around these actual events are these things called crisis actors. Um, so the event itself was actually a hoax. And that's like the claims that started kind of coming around in 2012 with Sandy Hook and then Boston Marathon bombing and Pulse nightclub shooting and pretty much everything after that, including like Charlie Hebdo and the Nice attacks in Paris as well. Basically just everything. Everything after that, that, that just became the, the common narrative. And I felt like that was just garbage. Like I really didn't, I didn't believe it from the outset. I looked into it at the very beginning because people were talking about it, but straight away, I was just like, this, this doesn't make sense. Like these events are real. Like people are really dying, but it's the people who are getting blamed for it that aren't really the people who did it because it was the government or it was the, the secret societies and the cults that were pulling these events off. That was, that was my kind of belief. And I just didn't, I didn't like, like what the rest of the people were talking about, like acting like none of this actually happened. I just wanted to ask you the following. The world as I experience it is super messy and chaotic right i don't know two days ago i uh, in the morning i i was leaving uh, the apartment and i had it in my mind that i need to take the keys of course of my apartment you know and then i you know yeah take the keys take the keys take the keys and then i drink some coffee and then make my bed and put the clothes on the shoes on and i take my backpack and take the keys and then i leave my apartment I didn't take the keys 
I gotta go back, <laughs> you know? And I'm sure I'm not the only one that this happens to. On the other hand, you have these theories where shadowy governments or shadowy societies are enacting, coordinating these massive global conspiracies that would take superhuman levels of synchronization and coordination and just organization where nothing ever goes wrong. Nobody acts irrationally. Nobody gets shit-faced and then just starts bragging about controlling the world to their mistress or whatever. You know, I'm just saying we're so messy. And of course, you know, even people who are into conspiracy theories recognize a degree of messiness in their own lives. How come they just suspend it when it comes to their theories? Because like you said, you still believe that the, the people who are controlling the world are people. Yeah, but they have elite privilege as well you know so they're 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 on the top of the pyramid they're they're born into affluent families they're always they're always on top but to be fair like for me i, I can only say like the best thing i could say is that i can only talk for myself i can only explain how i made some of these things make sense to me and like the final goal post I had for how all of this works in tandem is a spiritual element to it. There was like demons controlling things behind the scenes. Um, these elite families were, they were descended from the union of fallen angels and humans. That is basically how I eventually made it work. So because they were, they were the progeny of humans and fallen angels, that means they had like a connection and they could communicate with the, the dark stuff, like through rituals, through like Masonic um, rites, through satanic rights, all of this kind of stuff, black magic, essentially. Like, so I had this spiritual element of it that what was like the ultimate puppet master behind everything else. It's how it made things actually kind of work because humans are messy, like, and to, to leave it all up to humans it's going to mess up so there's constantly like say with a like a, a a mass shooting for instance like i'd play out a scenario in my head where it's actually multiple shooters it's not this one person who they would use but it's multiple shooters and as this is happening there's like demons and that around these multiple shooters telling them to go left or go right making sure that i know i know how ridiculous this sounds but i'm just trying to be open and just trying to explain it to you as best as i can like how i made it how i made it make actually sense. it makes it makes sense because for me that yeah it, it does make sense in a way that once you hit this obstacle of human messiness which for me is very convincing you got to shift gears and go supernatural yeah. a little bit. 
So if if we go with like um here's a good example like the Columbine shooting um that there I thought like that was a, a a ritual and basically it's because 12 students and one teacher was killed so that was a representative like or representation of killing the 12 disciples and Jesus so so how would these two kids pick exactly 12 students to die and one teacher to die and other students to be injured but only this amount happened well it was due to like demons kind of directing the shooters to like kill the right amount of people and to kill the the, the specific people shall we say so i had to have this extra element to make it really work I tend to not speak too much about like the, the, that spiritual element of it, but that is, that's just what I believed. There finally comes a moment when you begin to question the whole thing, right? I don't know if it was, if it was a moment or it was a gradual thing, but after a decade and a half of living in the conspiracy realm, what was sort of the chief reason that sent or caused this? pack of cards to finally come tumbling down was it like you said perpetually moving the goalpost was it something else 2018 is the the time when i actually decide i'm just walking away from it all and i need to figure it all out but the reason why is because from 2015 to 2018 i started seeing a lot more things that completely shattered my belief system up until 2015 it was just goalpost moving constantly um but yeah then 2015 happens and these things on the main stage basically started to break it break it down and basically it's trump um the rise of QAnon the Brexit vote and uh, Jeremy Corbyn taking over the Labour Party. Uh, Like these things to me, right, we're just, I know they don't make sense, but let me make it make sense for you. At the time, I thought every single election was controlled. Yeah, everyone was rigged. It was totally rigged. Didn't matter what we did. If we went and voted, it didn't matter. The outcome was already planned and leaders are selected, not elected. It's nothing to do with us. It's all about the cabal. Um, and basically, so with Trump, the, 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 the plan was that it would be Hillary. Like she was straight up establishment. She was the, we had, been talking about her becoming president for like 15 years like oh she'll be she'll be next after obama we know this is what's going to happen like it was one of those predictions you know because she's like the one that's straight up in line like as one of the elites but trump comes along and he kind of wins with this conspiracy stuff he starts courting alex jones and everything and i'm just like this is really weird. What's going on? I, I was really struck by it and thought, well, this is just, 
This is confusing. But before that, earlier that year, we had Brexit. And Brexit vote as well was another one that the outcome just didn't make sense because it was essentially breaking up what was the stepping stone to this new world order. The European Union was a gateway to global control. So why would England break away from it? And, and why would they, why would they set this, this vote up like this? That doesn't really make sense. And then like Jeremy Corbyn takes over the Labour Party. And again, it's like, Hey, that's that, that's that like anti-war guy who's like totally not in the, the, the cults. He's one of those very few stragglers that kind of got into parliament and it's kind of their seats don't really matter, but he's taken over and he's just not, not establishment. Like he's like the anti Blair, you know, who like just didn't make sense. But what I had saw that like made these things happen was actually like people voting was actually like democracy in action and seeing people against basically the, the establishment making these things happen. And well, the establishment couldn't stop it. So, so these, like I said, these, these massive votes all changed, changed the power structure in my mind. It changed how much power they actually had. And that, Hey, actually they don't control the votes. So that kind of means they don't control both sides and they don't control the government completely. And yeah, it just started to, to fall apart in that sense. And I just was like, yeah, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't make it make sense. And I needed to figure out why it didn't make sense. And I need to figure out what had actually happened. So by 2018, I just kept seeing more and more people talking. Like, I, I just felt like all my friends that were truthers, right? were spouting nonsense, but it was stuff that I had believed. But as I was seeing it coming up on Facebook, it just felt like, well, this is, this is rubbish. And I, I logged off and I thought I'm not going on Facebook. I'm sick of seeing this, sick of seeing this stuff. I don't know what's going on, but I don't think, I don't think the new world order is in charge as much as I thought it was. So then, yeah, 2018, I, I, I log off and I start to try and figure out like, okay, what is actually going on? And I do that away from the community. I don't want to speak to anyone else about it other than my partner. Me and my partner were both like hardcore conspiracists, but we had been talking about this stuff happening and we wow. both kind of come to this conclusion that they're not really in charge as much as we thought they were. And yeah, like I said, so, so we spent a, a bit of time trying to 
rebuild like a, a, a worldview at that time. Like what's actually happening here. Is that painful? What does that process look like? It, it's, it's, it's a journey first. So you just kind of go in along that journey, feeling like you're learning stuff again still. But at some point you're like, whoa, I was like wrong about a load of things here. And that's where it starts. It starts getting a bit like painful, shameful, even, especially like some of the really, really out there accusatory stuff that I would think about certain people. Um, mainly like elites being in some sort of satanic cult and possibly murdering ritual, ritualistically murdering people and, you know, abusing children. Like I, I thought that about these people and I, I kind mm. of, yeah, that kind of thing, it would have a shameful thinking like, oh, actually I was like, super wrong about that. And I shouldn't have said or thought these things about those people even if I didn't really say it that much or like accuse them of it on social media or anything that like, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't that guy. I wasn't out there proselytizing, especially when Twitter and Twitter comes around and you're kind of, you're in people's faces. I, I wasn't really doing that. Um, yeah, it was a, it's an interesting time just having to go through all this, this building again. During this, period of recovery were there any like siren calls that you experienced of stuff trying to lure you back into this world i mean it's 2018 yeah that's before the pandemic right so you just start to get out and then the pandemic happens which is another massive eruption of conspiracy ideologies how did you survive that one without getting um, sucked right so, back into so it. So from 2018 to 2020, like I'm watching lots of stuff still going on. I'm starting to learn about like, I wanted to know why I believed what I believed, right? I really wanted to know, okay, why, where did this, where did this conspiracy theory even come from? Who, who, who started it? Why, why, why did it manifest? You know, and so I kind of go start looking into that and I start looking at how it's like used as manipulation tools by other, by politicians, by political parties over the centuries, basically. And, and yeah, I start to see that actually playing out in the real world there. And I start to see politics and, and like I said, the rise of QAnon, people like, Trump really embracing conspiracies, um, Nigel Farage going on to Infowars and, and, and seeing like really, really nasty people <laughs> like embracing conspiracies and using them, you know, so it, that whole time I'm, I'm starting to like really I dislike the movement, see where it's coming from, see why they're using it and seeing that it's like this, this populist message. And that's, that's kind of what's really appealing. That was what was appealing to me. It was like putting these elites are in charge of, you know, they're, they're manipulating and controlling the rest of us. And that's exactly the, 
the grand conspiracy. So I'm like, I'm starting to understand how the whole conspiracy thing works. And I'm just keeping an eye on everybody talking about this conspiracy stuff. So the pandemic hits, right? And I can just see, ah, my, my eyes are open to, to those manipulation tactics. And I was just could see this was a replay of like swine flu or foot and mouth disease or any of these other things that we had gone through before SARS and MERS. Like they're saying the same thing, but it's just transplanted, you know, and then obviously lockdowns and certain things like that come along. And I'm like, I, I could just make, it was such like, familiar language but just transplanted on a completely different thing and i felt like i'm vaccinated against conspiracies like when new ones come out it's just like i've already been vaccinated against them if they just like resemble other conspiracies just transplanted onto a different thing i can just just see it i mean there was a moment like you like you asked there was a moment like where i thought okay I need to ask myself a, a, an important question here. Was I wrong? Is this, is this what we've been waiting for? Is this the depopulation plans going to come out? Is this the global Finally. lockdown? Is this the all real here? One. Is this yeah. it? Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's actually a genuine virus. It's, I can see all the countries are not actually in lockstep. They're all doing whatever the hell they want to do. No one's following the UN. No one's following the WHO. No one's following exactly what they're supposed to do. Okay, yeah, like there's no control here whatsoever. Right. This is actually chaos. And I just kind right. of like we watch. said, messiness yeah. at work. Right, Italy, lots of people dying. Sweden, Absolutely. completely open. Some yep. countries strict lockdowns. It's just a yeah. Just a complete mess. No one's doing what they're supposed to do, but somehow the conspiracy theorist people are all saying that it's all in tandem and stuff. And I was like, are we not watching the same show here? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? You know, I could just see me. Like, the whole conspiracy movement was just lying about stuff still. And it wasn't how it was all playing out. And it, so I wasn't. It didn't, I didn't fall back down like that rabbit hole. Every once in a while, there's something that kind of, I feel like it's learned behavior where I kind of think, I, I see a Freemason sign in a movie. And I'm like, oh, Freemasons. Like, is that, no, of course not. It's not, it's just a, a symbol because it's the national treasure movie. Of course, it's all about Freemasons. <laughs> What's the best way to reach somebody who is deep into this stuff? Um, I think if you're a friend or family member, you're probably the best person to do it. I, I feel like people on the internet, strangers, um, professionals, probably not the best people to like personally pull someone out of a rabbit hole because it could be like, we're, we're met with such suspicion. This is something I've learned. Like I've, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be the guy that would help you help pull you out of a rabbit hole. But I've, I've realized the reaction I get is ma mainly like, I must be an agent or something like that. Um, or an actor or 
just disingenuous, you know, not, not, not really genuine. Cause you know, once you wake up, you can't unsee it. Um, but look, I think it's friends and family members who are the real, the real ladder out of the rabbit hole. And you can be that if you've got the energy, if you've got the time and you got the energy to do this because it's a hard job, but I think you're the ones to do it and you got to do it with compassion. You got to do it with understanding. You got to remind them like, okay, our relationship is built on love. It's built on trust. And no matter what we say, like we always got to remember that part. So we disagree with each other over different things. It doesn't matter. We love each other because we're friends. We're, we're family. We've been, you know, brothers or sisters or whatever for past 20 years. So let's just, let, let's, let's be cool to talk about it. It's a safe space. No matter what you believe, let's talk about it. It's a safe space. It's all good. The other thing is that you need to validate their concerns. Because like we've said before, it may, if these things are real, like, of course, they're going to want to talk about it. Of course, they're going to want you to understand that this crime is happening. Hmm. So understand that, that they are coming from a good place. And that, that concern that they have is, is, is valid. Right. The outcome might not be, not, might not be the truth, but that concern is valid. So you have to remember that. And the other thing is, is you need to, you need to brush up on that conspiracy theory. You need to understand what it's about, why it's believable. You know, if you want an entry level to that, I suggest like checking out, uh, Mick West's book, escaping the rabbit hole. That's like a brilliant starting step you know, to chemtrails, 9-11 conspiracy theories, and um, some anti-vaccine conspiracy theories. And it kind of gives you a really good, good method of speaking to people about it. It's like, it's definitely the number one book I recommend for that side of it. Um, and then obviously, once you've gone into that, and you need to learn about other conspiracy theories because they might be into the World Economic Forum stuff. They might be talking more about uh, Jeffrey Epstein or Pizzagate. Then self-plug, obviously, you got to come check out my podcast. Some dare call it conspiracy because we'll do that exact thing. Do that. Yes. Yeah. We show you what that conspiracy theory is. We explain where it comes from and we explain why it's believable. And then we explain what is false about it, why it's false, where that falsehood comes from, you know? And so that's like a bit more of a, a more of a deep dive than say the Mick West book. So, but definitely start there and you want to expand your knowledge into more of them. Then you got to like come to places like that, like some dare call it conspiracy. Uh, but you have to learn, you have to learn about this. You have to know what it is, what it is they believe and why they believe it, especially why they believe it. If you really want to bring them out, that that's the key. Invaluable advice, really, because 
probably for the most of us, our first instinct is to become confrontational when faced with this stuff. And you're like, come on, how the fuck can you believe that <laughs> some elites are wearing special type of shoes to hey. accommodate for their reptilian limbs or whatever, you know? Like but you, th this, this is you the thing, attack. right? Yeah. But, but you, this is what I got to tell you. This is why friends and family can do this, right? Because you know how, to fa how far you can push them. You know whether you can say, oh, fuck off, come on. If you can be a jokey with them, you know exactly how far you can push them and a stranger doesn't, you know, so just keep them, push them at the right place. You, you know them at the end of the day, you know them, you know how to interact and engage with them. Some will respond better to jokes. Some won't, but you know that you're, that's my biggest advice. Like you're the person who knows this. Light roasting amongst friends goes a long way. Okay, we have to wrap up. I took a lot of your time. This conversation is so interesting and fascinating and just, I want to keep going on forever, but I understand <laughs> that you have to go to sleep also eventually. Yeah, now, sadly. I went through your Twitter, Twitter profile before the interview and saw that you engaged with one of the most well-known conspiracy theorists out there. We mentioned him before, the reptilian guy, David Icke. Why did you choose to kind of challenge him openly in such a direct way? By the way, I saw that you got way more likes than he did when he actually replied to you. <laughs> so people yeah, yeah. are listening to what you're saying, even on his Twitter page. Yeah, um, I've been, I've been challenging like conspiracy influencers since pretty much the day I started going on Twitter. I mean, I don't do it every day. But I, I challenge them all the time and I, I, I get blocked all the time. I don't abuse them. I don't, I generally don't abuse them. Okay. Like maybe there's about three or four that have blocked me because it was a little bit of a touchy joke, but it's never generally like, oh, you're an idiot. And it's like some kind of bantery joke that maybe, maybe pushed it a little bit too far. Um, so I, I generally do challenge these people. I prefer to challenge the influencers over a genuine believer in just someone who's got 500 followers or someone that's just normal. I, just, I, I don't go looking for those people. If I interact with them or I retweet them or something like that with a bit of a bantery joke, it's normally because they've commented on my stuff. So you've come to, to me. So I'm going to retweet you and we can all laugh at you. It's fine. Uh, but generally I will seek out the influencers and I will challenge them over stuff. And, and yeah, <laughs> so David's one of my, I call him the four horsemen of my apocalypse. Now apocalypse means to the revealing. Yeah. To, to lift a veil. So those are the four people that kind of tended to wake me up. It was uh, a guy called Jordan Maxwell. William Cooper, Alex Jones, and David Icke. These are the four guys. So I've kind of come to a point where I think that they're all charlatans and they've all lied to me and they've all manipulated people and their information is bad and they all need to, they all need to pay or take responsibility 
for the bad influence that they've put on Fair other enough. people. Yeah. So Ike is one of the guys that I like to, I don't know, challenge a bit, but I also kind of like to make fun of him a bit. <laughs> and that's what happened here. So he posted something um, that it was just some rubbish about tr like the, the truth is our only tribe or something. And I kind of just quoted it like with a gif of him being laughed at on Terry Wogan, the they're laughing at you um, gif. And he, re he, for some reason, he retweeted that and said like only morons are laughing now. So I thought, oh, look, <laughs> I got a David Icke retweet. And I didn't notice it at first either. I just noticed in my notifications, I had a lot of David Icke fans saying something to me. I was like, oh, they must not like that gif. But it's because he had re retweeted it. So I thought, all right, he's obviously retweeted it to say something because I got a bit of a following. A lot of people like my joking and have have retweeted it and liked it and commented and everything on that, that gift. So it obviously caught his attention. All right. Maybe I will use this opportunity to tell him exactly how I feel exactly what is what I feel he's done to me. I just thought, why not? He probably won't see this one, but he saw the, the last one. So that's cool. But I'm going to say this because this is what I really feel. Um, and so I did. I just thought, yeah, I'll retweet that and I'll li list out and tell you, like, you are a manipulator. Um, I, I followed you for 15 years. I used the word disciple because it's a bit of a hyperbole. But, you know, I followed the guy for so long. I respected him. I thought he was like one of the top dogs. I didn't think he, I didn't think everything the guy said was 100% accurate, but he was one of the top ones, man. He, he, he knew what he was doing, he knew what he was talking about. But I think he's a top charlatan and I'm going to tell you, I think you're a top charlatan and I'm going to like, I'm pissed off, man. <laughs> I, I, I am pissed at what you, you led us all down a, 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 the, the wrong path with your information. You acted like you were trustworthy and yeah, of course. I make my own choices, but I only make my own choices based on the information I have. And you, I felt your information was the right one. So I, I followed that and I wasted a lot of my life and I just thought I'm going to tell you. So I did. And obviously, like you said, he even responded to that by practically saying, Hey, it's your own fault for believing my bullshit. <laughs> Do you think people like David Icke actually believe what they're saying or do they know what they're peddling is absolute bullshit and they're, it's just a cynical racket for them. Yeah. I, or is it a mix of it's, both? It's, it's, it's definitely a mix of both. It's definitely a mix of both. And it's trying to figure out what, what he does and doesn't believe like what, what's true, or what's not. The thing is, is I feel like we've broke down quite a few of his, claims on our podcast like from the reptile stuff to the things he says about um like uh bohemian grove or other goddesses or whatever and it and turns out to be like completely factually incorrect 
like and if he's going to push things that are factually incorrect and i'm not talking about whether or not the queen or someone was a shape-shifting reptile because you can't i can't prove that either way right um but there's other facts that he says that are just completely not true whatsoever so i feel like if you've pushed yourself as this amazing researcher who really pushes for the truth and everything why are you telling like actual lies about different things here like it seems like you're spinning a narrative you're making stuff up so i don't think you believe that if you know that it's not true you know so that there's that mix there i think same with alex jones i think to me i think he believes more of the politics conspiracies than he does when he says like hillary clinton smells of sulfur or something i think that's just him being an idiot and talking at, at the same time it's so hard to believe that he believes <laughs> any of this stuff because why he's I selling it. some sort of fucking True. vitamin pills on the side he tells you yeah, Hillary Clinton smells like what did you say? Sulfur. Sulfur. Yeah. But here's She's my a demon, vitamin. You see, right? But here's my <laughs> vitamin package that you can get for ninety nine dollars, which are full of ninety nine percent sulfur. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough, okay. tough one to work out what what people believe right. or don't believe. It's kind of as hard to find to. To figure out someone's true intent yeah you don't you don't know only that that person knows 100 percent. everyone else has to try and work it out just have two really quick questions go for left it. what kind of dms are you getting these days um, you said already that that people sometimes accuse you that you're a paid actor yourself a paid chill or whatever they say how do you withstand that and i can imagine that if you're going after these sacred cows in the, of the conspiracy world, you must get some angry people writing to you. I deal with each one differently. All right. A lot of the time I ignore, I don't even bother. I just like scroll, scroll past in my head. Like I will say, I will say some, I'll see something. I'll be like, yeah, your mom skip past. I'll read another one. I'm never like, fails. Yeah. I just, I just say stuff like that to my, in, in my head, like, yeah, whatever. Like, okay. Like I care what you say. Okay. Whatever. Another smart ass remark. Goodbye. And I just like, will ignore it. Other times I will think it depends on how sassy I feel. And if I feel, if I feel up for it, I feel like I'm in a good mood. I'm going to retweet you and like say something smart ass about you just because it's fun. You're just there to troll me, right? I'm, why should I take you, take you serious? Why should I do like the debunk or the conversion or the conversation or the, the discourse with you? You're just here to troll. So karma, I'm going to troll you back and let's have fun. Um, but then sometimes like I was, I was talking to my partner the other day about this and it's like your, your conscious mind, like your ego, yourself, you know, you, you're reading these things and being, yeah, whatever, who cares, whatever, you're an idiot, yeah, suck my balls, your mom, da, 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 I don't care what you're saying, all that, you know, you're saying this, but it's on a screen, right? It's, it's, it's really there in writing and all the while that's being logged in your brain. 
your brain's not forgetting this stuff. Like it's taking it in. And after a while you think I've just been called an asshole, like 17 times. And I haven't even had my, 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 my first coffee of the morning yet. Like, like it, I haven't even gone to work yet. Like I'm not there yet. Like how do I, how do you really process something like that? Sometimes it does like make you feel, makes you feel shit and you don't realize why. Like I'm feeling like I'm in a bad mood. I'll probably because of that happened or whatever it does, it does affect, but look, it just kind of, I just got to go. I just got to go with it. I just got to keep uh, pushing and just try not to not let it get to me. Cause at the end of the day, who cares? Like <laughs> there's a great, I saw this great um, graffiti one day and it's always stuck with me. And it was like just around the time that I started to like make content and be public. And it said, stop trying to be liked by everyone. You don't like everyone. And I was like, that's, that's absolutely true. I don't like everyone. So not everyone has to like me. Fine. I'm going to have, I'm going to have people who don't like me, who don't want to have a good conversation, who just want to troll, whatever. I tend to block people now. I've, I've had enough of being called a wanker before I've had my breakfast. So I block people every once in a while. If, if, if I've had like a bit of a viral, viral tweet, like that's attracted a lot of like negative attention, I'll, I'll go on lockdown for a few days just to kind of till, till my tweet is out the algorithm. Cause I tend to like my experiences. If I do one of those viral tweets about two or three days afterwards is when like the really nasty people come for some reason, like it's like as if it gets picked up at some other point and that's when they come. So after about two or three days after something like that, like, so after David, like, like yesterday I locked down because a few more, more nastier ones started coming around. So I, I kind of locked down. And at that point I kind of used the, the option to kind of block people, uh, remove followers and, and clean up that timeline. Last question. I asked Mike Rothschild, a similar one. What's the funniest or the most silly conspiracy theory you've ever heard of? Um, me. <laughs> can you elaborate please what does that, that mean that i'm an actor that i'm a paid ah, psyop that i'm this okay, psyop and course. i am the i'm a conspiracy i am become conspiracy and it's, it's a crisis actor the funniest Brentley. thing to me it is and every time someone says it to me it convinces me or solidifies that idea in me that yes conspiracy theories are well conspiracism is bullshit this whole thing is <laughs> is rubbish and it's not based on any actual research here it's just conspiracy claims and i'm proof that that doesn't exist excellent i find it hilarious that's a good way to finish a conversation about conspiracy <laughs> theories brent this was such an unbelievably amazing conversation thank you for being so open about this stuff. Thank you for sharing your journey. Where can Thanks. people find 
your podcast, Spotify, Apple Pods, uh, all yeah, reputable streaming services, I gather. Are you on YouTube as well? Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I'm everywhere, every platform. A bit hit and miss with YouTube because of some of the topics we talk about. Like, I don't know, sometimes it gets flagged for the wrong reason. Um, but yeah, every platform we're on there best place to go is somedarecolaconspiracy.com and then you'll get the list of every platform that you need basically all our social media sites every single thing is there uh you can follow me and neil wherever but yeah somedarecolaconspiracy.com and you'll you'll find us brand once again thank you so much thank you oi thank you for listening to the episode if you've enjoyed it please subscribe and follow on youtube Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As always, eternal glory and gratitude to my producers who are supporting this show on Patreon, the kings and queens, Gordon, Yurechuk, Lorenzo, Veronica, Mila, Carmen, and Taichi. Without you, this pod would not have been possible at all. If you'd like to become a certified Tovarish or Tovarishica of the show too, head to Patreon, find Smart Cookies Podcast on there and uh, become one. It's as simple as that. Thank you.